1 Kings chapter 22, as we close out 1 Kings tonight, last chapter, of course, we'll move right into 2 Kings and pick up uh, with the ministry of Elisha and the kings uh, again. You know, we have a divided kingdom. We've been looking at Ahab and his wife Jezebel and the northern kingdom, or it's called Israel. The southern kingdom, of course, is called uh, Judah. It's built really basically the tribe of Judah, which continues to have the lineage of Jesus through it. It's got partially a little bit of Benjamin, but then the rest of Benjamin is up with the northern kingdoms. And if you'll remember with me, Ahab fought against the enemy, the outside enemy. God brought an outside enemy, Syria, to attack. Uh, and then he showed him how great he was by allowing him to have the victory. He gave him the victory twice. And Ahab did not defeat the enemy. We call it uh, incomplete victory. He was supposed to destroy Ben-Hadad. Yet, when Ben-Hadad, who was hiding, sent to make peace with him, um, Ahab made a treaty with him. And in chapter 20... God said, verse 20, 42, Thus says the Lord, because you have let slip out of your hand a man whom I appointed to utter destruction, therefore your life shall go for his life and your people for his people. So the king of Israel went to his house sullen and displeased and came to Samaria. Then he gets to Samaria, and, and if you remember, chapter 21 was really about his selfishness still, about him following his own desires. And he wanted to, uh, to have a little garden, a little herb garden. And there was a man named Naboth who owned the field. It was his inheritance from the Lord that was next to the, the uh, uh, palace there in Samaria, which is where uh, they had... Uh, ruled the northern kingdom. Is this Samaria or Jezreel? I believe it's Samaria. No, it's Jezreel, which is where they had their second palace. They had two palaces. And if you remember with me, Ahab throws a little fit and goes in and lays down and won't eat. And he allowed Jezebel to kill him, to have him killed by the elders of the city. And he caused all of Israel to sin, the northern kingdoms, with this. And in 21, 25, we're told this, which is probably the key verse of the entire book of 1 Kings. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself, notice he had to sell himself, 
to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Now listen, remember Jezebel was a Syrophoenician whose dad was uh, uh, the priest of Baal, and then he became king of the country, and Ahab married her, and so they brought Baal worship in to Israel or the northern ten kingdoms. Now it's not it's not something that uh, was not predictable. If you'll remember in the rebellion, his dad Jeroboam built two golden calves. And they began to worship calves instead of God. They were worshiping calves. And so as you begin to walk away from God and become apostate and begin to refuse to do the will of God and follow the word of God, you're subject to do anything. And so he goes away and he ends up, we end up in apostasy and rebellion, pure evil, worshiping Baal, who is Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies, and that's where we find them at as Jezebel takes over the kingdom, pretty much rules what Ahab does, and she kills Naboth and gives the vineyard to him. And he's just a happy camper because he has that. But then God says this to him, verse 26 of 21, and he behaved very abominably in, the fo in following idols according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Now that was part of the tribes of the Canaanites and the Amorites that were in the land when God gave them the inheritance. So it was when Ahab heard those words that he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth on his body, and fasted and lay in sackcloth, and went about mourning. So God said this about him, that he has been more wicked because of, of Jezebel. And God uh, uh, pronounced this against him. And he repented. He fasted. And 21.28 says, And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his day. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. So listen, we serve a God of mercy. And even the most wicked king ever, when he repented, now, see, God didn't relent completely. He's still going to bring the calamity upon him because of his sin. But he did say, I will give you some mercy, and I won't do it in your lifetime. And so that is something we need to see, that if we'll repent and turn to God in Christ, we can be forgiven because we serve a God of mercy, a God of grace. He sits on a throne of grace, handing out mercy to those who humble themselves, to those who humble themselves and say that they are wrong and that Jesus is right. Jesus is our righteousness. When we say yes to God and his provision for the sin nature, then he relents and he gives us mercy and grace to help in time of need. Now, as we come to chapter 22, I will tell you that it is completely repeated almost in its entirety in 2 Chronicles 18, there's a little bit of difference, but mainly it is there. And um, we're going to see the enemy comes back. This enemy, uh, Ben-Hadad, who Ahab should have killed, 
should have finished off because God had appointed him for destruction. He makes a treaty with him and lets him go. And his treaty means nothing to Ben-Hadad. He's going to come back and try to destroy the king. In fact, the king is going to die in this chapter. Listen to me. The king, Ben-Hadad, serious king, represents a type of Satan. He wants to rob, kill, and destroy us. He slowly robs from us. He gets us worshiping gold calves. And then he slowly begins to destroy us, and he brings in bell worship, and then he kills us. He moves in. But see, it's God that kills here because he is punishing. He is bringing his wrath upon uh, the son of disobedience here, upon Ahab who is friend or brother to his father, and his father is the devil because he will not choose to listen to Father God. So watch what happens here. Let's read and we'll get moving and we'll find out what is going on. Now, three years passed without war. God gave him peace. He relented. No calamity for a while between Syria and Israel. Then it came to pass, this is not one of the good come to passes, because, because Ahab is not listening to God, he is going to listen to false prophets, and he's going to go attack when he should have been being still, and it's going to cost him his life. Listen to me. It's really interesting. I, I was reading this and reading this and reading this. I said, what is missing? Here's what's missing is that God is not even calling Ahab by name. I think he calls him Ahab twice. Uh, but first, he calls him king of Israel about nine times. He calls him king about eight times. He calls him a shepherd when he says that he is uh, in a vision. But then he says Ahab. And it's pretty interesting. They didn't even call him by his given name. He's just saying the king. And it, and it just is just surprising to me um, that we do that. And I'm not sure. We'll, we'll read it and make some comments about it. Watch this. Verse 2. Then it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, when you see the J, it's a Y, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, which is the northern tribe, went down to visit the king of Israel. It doesn't say Ahab. It doesn't say he went down to visit Ahab. Just the king of Israel. Notice he says down, even though it's the northern kingdoms. See, uh, Jehoshaphat, or Jehoshaphat, is how we pronounce it, is in Jerusalem. And everything, no matter what the elevation, you always go up to Jerusalem. And you go down from Jerusalem. It's just part of the holy city. So listen to this. Here's the first thing is that Jehoshaphat needs to be careful. He should not even be visiting the northern kingdoms. See, the northern kingdoms are worshiping golden calves. They're in rebellion. They've walked away from God. And he needs to be very careful with fellowshipping with someone who is worshiping falsely. And we'll see that in the text, in the chapter, that one of the things that he did wrong was he made peace with the enemies of God. He made peace with um, Ahab. 
king of Israel. So he goes down to the king of Israel. And then verse 3, And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate. We're being still to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So Ahab's looking to do something. Ramoth Gilead is theirs. And um, he's longing to do something. I needed to mention that Jehoshaphat means Jehovah judged. Ramoth Gilead again means heights of Gilead. Syria means the highlands. These are very important words as you begin to look at them. So he's, he notices that Ramoth Gilead belongs to the northern tribes, right? They should have had it, but they haven't had it, so they're going to attack it. So verse 4 says, So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight at Ramoth Gilead? Now listen, this is Ahab's problem. That's not a property of the southern kingdom. It's something that northern kingdom lost when they fought with Syria. And so Jehoshaphat should mind his own business. He really should not um, go and fight with him. But Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So he says, we're one. And really, listen, the southern kingdoms haven't re totally rebelled. They're still trying to listen to God. Judah's trying to obey God. They're trying to live for God. But they listen to false worshipers of God. Because that's what Ahab represents. Ahab and Jezebel are worshiping Baal. They have false prophets. They, they've, been, they've set up calves to the people, golden calves and idols. And they're, they're leading the people to sin. They're leading them in a lie. And Jehoshaphat should have nothing to do with this war. Listen to me, because with this war, he's going to go out to battle to fight a false battle, to fight against a battle that God hasn't called him to fight. He should be standing and living for God in the northern kingdoms, not becoming one with the enemies of God. Verse 5, And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire for the word of the Lord today. See this? He's still serving God. He's still interested in what God has to say. He wants to obey God. He knows that in order to go to war, you should ask God. You should never go to war without asking God. What does he do, though? We're going to see that Jehoshaphat, which means Yahweh has judged, Jehovah judged, even though he's telling Ahab to do this, he ends up listening to the lying false prophets. See, when you start hanging out in fellowship with liars, you start hanging out in fellowship with falseness, you are more susceptible to listen and follow with them, and it causes disaster. It's going to cause disaster in his life. Verse 6. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight, or shall I refrain? So they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into your hand, into the hand of the king. 
Listen, 400 prophets, right? Now, these could have been the 400 prophets of Asherah, but no matter what, they're false prophets. You have to see them because Ahab and Jezebel are Baal worshiping. Now, they mention the Lord here. They say, uh, go up for the Lord will deliver it to your, to your hand of the king. But these are false prophets. They're not telling him what he wants to hear. They want to speak good things to him. And they don't ever want to say anything uh, to discourage him. And for good reason. If you discourage the king, Jezebel might have you killed. She could take you out of it. So these are 400 false prophets. These are not genuine prophets of the Lord. So notice this. Because Jehoshaphat's still serving the Lord, he recognizes that. And he says in verse 7, he keeps pointing to God. He asks him to, 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 to inquire of the word of the Lord. And now he said, is there not still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? Notice Jehoshaphat, a man of God with a little bit of discernment, knows that these 400 prophets are not serving God, that they don't, they are not listening to God. He sees that. He knows that Ahab and Jezebel are serving uh, uh, the devil or serving Baal. And so he says, isn't there still a prophet of God here, a prophet of the Lord here, uh, which is Yahweh, that we may ask him, we may inquire of him. So the king of Israel, now every time it says king of Israel, remember that's Ahab, but he's not being called by name, said to Jehoshaphat, Jehovah judged, there is still one man. Remember how Elijah thought he was the only one? This one is testifying that Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. Because he does not prophesy good concerning me, but evil. Isn't that interesting? Listen to this. Micaiah means, who is like Yah? Who is like the Lord? That's a great name to have. Who is like the Lord? And his uh, uh, um, dad's name is Imla. In, in uh, Second Chronicles 18, it's I-M-L-A. Here it's I-M-L-A-H which means fool, F-U-L-L. -L. But Micaiah, who is like Yah? Who is like the Lord? What a name. And he says, but I hate him. Notice his heart. Notice Ahab's heart. It's a murderous heart. He would like to kill Micaiah. But notice if he hates Micaiah, and I don't know if I'm saying that right, but that's what I see there then he really just hates God. This is Ahab's heart. We're seeing that Ahab hates God because Micaiah brings the word of the Lord to man. That's what the prophet would do in the Old Testament is he would bring what God was saying to the nation, to the king. And so he hates the word that he prophesies because it's never good but always evil because Ahab and Jezebel are living evil lives. So everything that they hear, it's really just truth, but it sounds evil to them because it's the truth from God, and it's against them because if you are living against God's truth, 
you are living in an evil way, and it's always going to be prophesied bad. It's going to be bad news when you hear these things instead of good news. But if you're living for Jesus, the Word of God is good news. The Word of God is always encouraging. It's always there to, to lead you and direct you to do the right thing. But he says, because of Micaiah not agreeing with all the false prophets all the time, that he always prophesies evil instead of good. Listen to me very carefully. You do not want the word of God to tickle your ear. You do not want preachers to tickle your ear. You do not want to go to a church or to a place where they're always just speaking good to you and you never hear truth. Coming before God, hearing the word of God is a like a it's a sword. It, it's a double-edged sword. It cuts away. It, it, it's supposed to be correcting you. It's supposed to be directing you. It's supposed to be leading you into doing the will of God, using it, and as you obey it, it sanctifies you. But if you always only hear good, like Joe Olstein might preach, always just good, your best life now. You're never corrected. You're never subject to the truth of God. You never have to say, I'm sorry, God. I repent, God. I want to turn from that, God. And you find out that you die and you approach the throne and you've never, ever really repented in your life. Listen, when you go to church, when we go to church, it's to be equipped. It's to be directed. When we go to church, it's to learn, it's to grow, to be sanctified, washed and cleansed with the washing of the water through the word. So when the preacher's preaching, God is trying to speak to you. And if your heart is open, you'll want to hear that truth so you can say, yes, Lord. I am sorry, Lord. I went astray there, Lord. Bring me back. That's not the good thing that I've been doing there, Lord. I repent, Lord. You want to hear that. But if you're living for yourself, you never want to hear the truth of God's word because it makes you repent and surrender. You want to hear a social gospel. You never have to change. You feel good about yourself. Listen. I'm not saying not to have joy in the Lord. I'm not saying not to know that you're at peace with God because of the blood of Jesus. I'm saying you don't want to be comfortable in your flesh. You don't want to be comfortable in sin. You don't want to be comfortable rejecting truth. You don't want to be comfortable in a place where you think you're okay when in fact you're being lied to. And, and the preachers and the teachers are just always speaking good things to keep you in the body and keep you coming to that church. That is not church. That is not God. That is not the word of God. And this is what we see the king, Ahab, and Jezebel have created is that nobody would ever say no to them. When the Naboth did, they killed him. When somebody speaks something that's not encouraging the king, then he hates them. He don't want to hear it. Listen to me. Guard your heart. Don't become a person who your heart hates truth and you're always running from somebody that tells you the truth. He hates him. And really, truthfully, he hates God. 
someone has said, a man is not really known by the friends he keeps. This is very important. See, because we'll tend to associate with people and call them our friends, but they might not be real friends if they don't tell us the truth. A man is not really known by his friends, but by his enemies. Listen to me. It's important to understand that, especially in our age, in our day and time, in our culture, in our society. Think about it when you say Trump 2020. Who is hating Trump? Not who his friends are. Who is hating him? It's the enemy. Look at the people who hate him. They're a bunch of liars. They're a bunch of deceivers. They hate Donald Trump because Donald Trump is speaking truth. Donald Trump is trying to take care of America. And so when you look at who his enemies are, oh, his enemies are trying to say that he's friends with Russia and he's friends with China and he's friends with all these rogues. No, not true. They're the ones that are friends with him. So look at the character of the ones who hate him when they're running around deceiving. And it's very important to think about that. When If I'm preaching truth and you're living truth, your enemy is going to be people that does not like truth. The people that speak against you will be those who hate truth. Now, I know that the Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. But it does not mean you don't have any enemies. It's just that God guards you from your enemies attacking you. When the enemy attacks you, you stand on the truth of God's word. So when we think about who is speaking against us, you look at their character and you find out what the character of the person they're speaking against is. So be careful because Ahab and Jezebel, listen, they're listening to the false prophets. They're serving Baal, but Micaiah, who we know is the true prophet of God, they hate him because he represents God. So they truly hate God. They truly hate God. Verse 9, then the king of Israel called an officer and said, bring Micaiah, the son of Imlay, quickly. Go get him, bring him here. The king of Israel, just over and over we see king of Israel, not Ahab. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, having put on their robes, set each on his throne at the threshing floor at the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them. Now, this is the false prophets. They're setting up on a raised platform, a raised ground, where you know that, that it's up, the threshing floor is always higher so that the wind would blow across it and get rid of the, the discarded holes after the grain has been threshed out of it. And you get the grain and you pull it in and then you throw it up in the air and the wind blows away the holes so that uh, 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 only the grain remains, only the fruit remains. That's what a threshing floor is. Here they sit there on their thrones. They're waiting for Micaiah to come. And then verse 11 says, now Zedekiah, listen to me, Zedekiah is a really nice name. This is not the Zedekiah of Jeremiah uh, uh, chapter 1. This is a different Zedekiah. 
Listen to what Zedekiah means. Yahweh is my righteousness. That's Zedekiah. He's a false prophet here. Watch this. Then Zedekiah, the son of Chaniah, means humiliated, Chaniah, had made horns of iron for himself. Notice who made them. He made them for himself. Now this was a type of, this was a way of presenting God's word in those days, but these guys know the practice, but they're false prophets. They're prophets of Ahab and Jezebel. Listen, if they were true prophets of God, Ahab and Jezebel would hate them. But since they are only speaking good, since they're only tickling Ahab's ear, they are the lying false apostate prophets who are allowing the king to regulate the word of God instead of God to speak through them and use them. So he makes these iron horns for himself so that he can draw attention to himself. And he said, thus says the Lord, which is another way of saying, I am a prophet of God, and I say the word of the Lord. But remember, he's a false prophet. God did not tell him to say this. With these you shall gore the Syrians until they are destroyed. Now, them horns are not weapons, so he couldn't use them to gore anybody, so it's obviously false. And all the prophets prophesied so, they repeated what Zedekiah, their spokesperson, said, saying, Go up to Ramoth of Gilead and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the king's hand. They all agree. They all have the same message. They're all saying the same thing. It doesn't deviate one bit, so you know it's not from God. And we have some of that same thing. Listen. We have some of that same thing. False righteousness. Zedekiah means uh, uh, Yahweh is my righteousness. We have false converts in the church today that say that Christ is their righteousness, and yet they're false converts. They speak false lies. They chase false dreams. They're not living for the word of God. They're chasing and making their own kingdoms, chasing and making their own dreams, their own lives. They're chasing and doing their own thing, just like this man was doing when he made these iron horns. It says he made them for himself. Self, See that? His own conceits, his own attention, his own desires. Many people live that way for self in the kingdom of God and, and, and say that, they, that Christ is my righteousness. But really, it's their own works. It's the works of their own hands. They make their own iron little horns instead of truly trusting in the blood of Jesus, truly standing in the righteousness Nothing I can do with my own hands that is pleasing to God. That is all false prophets. Nothing good I can do. We have churches everywhere that are doing this false stuff. We have it everywhere where they're, where they're following, uh, you know, uh, denominational practices, denominational tradition, social justice. They're being politically correct. And they're walking away from the true word of God. But they still tell you that this is what the word of God says. But they use their earthly, sensual, demonic wisdom to interpret scripture. Instead of truly having a close, real, personal relationship with God. 
so that they could speak to others. And notice that they're all saying the same thing. So they're an echo. They don't have a personal relationship where they can speak from a personal relationship with God. They're just echoing the same thing that Zedekiah, the leader of their falseness, says. And we see that all over today in the teaching that comes out where men of God claim to be serving God. They claim to have Christ as their righteousness, and yet they become an echo that just repeats lying points that don't even line up with Scripture of who God is. They want to do social justice instead of soul justice. See, Christ came to win souls, not society. He didn't come to do social justice. He came to win souls. He paid the sin debt. He paid it in full for anyone who will believe and repent and follow him. And yet, we have so much works of men's hands today who claim that they have the righteousness of Christ and they continue to tell you to do the works yourself. And other people repeat it. Yet, it's all false prophets. It's false gospel. 13. Then the messenger who had gone to call Micaiah... Micaiah, remember, means who is like Yah, who is like the Lord, spoke to him, saying, so think about this. Here goes a messenger to get him, and he speaks to him, and he says, this is what, watch. Now listen, the words of the prophets, their echo, with one accord, encourage the king. They're speaking good to the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them, and speak well, speak encouragement. Think about that. Think about the pressure. The word means cheerful and kindness and pleasant. It means speak well, beautiful to the king. Because the king can't handle the truth. Micaiah is going to tell him the truth, but the king can't handle it. So even the people that are surrounding him are protecting him and trying to prepare people to be an echo of good stuff. This is what the devil wants to do to the Christian today. Oh, you can keep living that way. You can keep doing that. Love is love. And you can do whatever you want. And we're just going to speak good to you. You keep doing what you want. And we got many other people that will tell you the same thing. Go find a church that agrees with your lifestyle, that agrees with your sin, that agrees with your flesh. And they will just speak good, kindly, encouraging words. This is the spirit out there today. They say, listen, you're just judging. You should just love me. You're judging me. You should just encourage me in my walk. Listen, speaking truth in love is encouraging you. Speaking truth in love is the best thing you can do to anybody instead of lie to them and say, just stay in your sin. God forgives you. That's what the devil and false prophets want us to do is to stay in our sin and think we can keep living any way we want. We have been set free by the blood of Jesus to follow God, not to stay in our lies and think that in our own esteem we're going to be okay. It will lead to death. It's good old-fashioned sin and lies. Yet our culture is practicing that. And they will call somebody a legalist 
who preaches truth. A legalist who says you can tell a tree by its fruit. They would call Jesus Christ, if he was in the flesh here today, a legalist. Because he says you can tell a tree by its fruit, by its actions, by what it's doing. So how does Micaiah, how does a man of God answer? 14. Micaiah said, as the Lord lives. He's a living God. Whatever the Lord says to me, that I will speak. Listen, that's a very good practice in our lives. Have a close personal love relationship with God where you meet with Him. You talk with Him. You're hearing from Him. You're repenting before Him. You keep Him in His proper pace as God Almighty. And give Him your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when somebody tries to bring peer pressure or force or encourages you to lie, you should say whatever the Lord says. The living God. He's resurrected. That I will speak. Speak truth in love to other people. Stand is what we call it in the New Testament. It means to continue to abide and remain and stand in the victory of Christ. 15. Then he came to the king, and the king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go to war against Ramoth Gilead, or shall we refrain? So, remember, he said this to the false prophets, and they said, Go up, God will deliver it into your hand, king. He says it to Micaiah, and he said, Go and prosper, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. He says the exact same thing, like an echo. And you know what? Watch verse 16. Even the king knew he was lying. Even the king knew that it wasn't true. Even the king in his heart knew that Micaiah would not agree with false prophets. He knew Micaiah to be a true prophet of God and knew that he would not say the same thing as his false prophets would say. So look what he says to him. So the king said to him, How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but truth in the name of the Lord? So he knows that Micaiah is just repeating the talking points. He knows that Micaiah is just echoing what the other false prophets said. And that he wants to, he's saying, it's a really interesting statement. You know, you'd think, well, why didn't he just accept it and go on up? But he knows that Micaiah really represents God and brings the word of God. So he says, you, I told you, give me the truth in the name, the character, the nature, the will of the Lord. Then he said, so Micaiah gets real with him, because the king knows he's lying. I saw. So see, God's already given him a vision. God's already spoke to him clearly. Micaiah, who is the true prophet of God, already knows. Listen to me. Don't be like the rest of the false prophets in the false church listening to false messages without a relationship with God and just repeating what everybody else is saying. Study the word yourself. Study to show yourself approved. Spend time in prayer. Spend time in fellowship. Know that God has called you into a personal love relationship with Him. He's called you 
to know the word of God. He's called you to speak truth and love. He's called you to encourage and tell others. He's called you to go and make disciples. And he says, I saw all Israel, that's the northern kingdoms, scattered on the mountains, the highlands. That's what Syria means, uh, elevated. Uh, 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 Ramoth Gilead is, 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 is ele- or, excuse me, it's heights of Gilead. Ramoth means the heights, as sheep that have no shepherd. With no shepherd, that means the king, King Ahab, is dead. Because right now, he is the shepherd of the nation of the northern tribes. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his house in peace. Now listen, that message is much different than what the false prophets said. In fact, Micaiah is saying, if you go out to war and fight this fight that you're not supposed to be fighting because God didn't tell you to do it, that you're going to die. Listen to me, guys and gals. If you get caught up in the false religious system that's out there in this world and you listen to what they're saying to do, let's go march. Let's go support Black Lives Matters. Let's go out and be rebellious. You go out and do all these things that the false church is telling us to do. Let's start this and let's start that and let's not speak so much truth and let's tamper back the message to a 20-minute message and let's do this and all of this culture entity that we see Instead of what the Word of God says, the Spirit of God leads you to do, you're going to end up dead too. Don't listen to just the culture. Don't listen to just the pastor. Don't listen to just the Bible study leader. Yes, let them help you be equipped, but have a personal relationship with God. He put His Spirit in you. He says that no man will need anybody to teach them. But the Spirit of God will teach you in your own personal relationship. And then you learn to be the part of the body that you're called to be. And you learn to do what you're supposed to be doing for the glory of the Lord. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, verse 18, Did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? Listen, that's not evil, that's truth. But since he has earthly, sinful, demonic wisdom, since he's serving the bells, since he hates God, he sees truth as evil. He sees truth as bad. He sees truth as something that's wicked. He's being warned not to join the false prophet's words, not to join and go fight a battle that's already won. See, we stand in the victory, and he sees it upside down. See, this is strong delusion. We see it in our culture today. We see it in the churches today. When you refuse to have a relationship with God, you have upside-down wisdom, which is earthly, central, and demonic, instead of the wisdom that's from above, which is peaceful. It's kind. It's willing to yield. And so he sees it as evil when it's really the love of God telling him the direction to go telling him not to go fight the battle. It's called truth. It's called truth. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. You remember the false prophet said, pretending they said, Thus says the Lord. 
Listen to what somebody with a relationship said. See, people can get mad at you. They go, you, you're telling me the word of God like, like uh, it's, it's individual to you. It is. It's a personal relationship. There is a corporate body. But when you have spent time with the Lord, you know what the word of God says. And people who hate God, they get mad when you speak from the word of God. When you tell them what the word of God says, they get mad and act like you're the one that's wrong. But notice this, hear the word of the Lord. Isn't that what we should say to people? Well, I think that I want to hear what the word of the Lord says. Let me give you the counsel of God. God doesn't change. This is how he's always been. This is what he says. Listen, God says all lives matter. God came to save souls. God came to save lives. God came to pull us out. Not just some lives matter. Hear the word of the Lord. He's not trying to tickle anybody's ears. He's not trying to speak something that is easy to hear. He wants people to know that destruction will come quickly if we ignore the word of God. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. How personal is that? If you can be there and see him on his throne. And all the host of heaven standing by. He's there. He's in the throne room. God has given him this vision. They're all standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead. So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. God's asking for volunteers to persuade Ahab. Listen to this. Persuade means to open, to make roomy, to delude, to allure, to deceive, to entice. God asks, this is God's in sovereign control here. Who will persuade him that he may fall? That means that he may die, that he may cease to exist. And one spoke this way and another spoke that way. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. I'll entice him. I'll beguile him. I'll delude him. I will allure him to win a battle, to fight a battle that he shouldn't be fighting when I've told him not to fight the battle. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Listen, listen to me. God allows people to lie to you. God, there's no lie in God. But he will allow you to be tempted by others to follow a lie. To follow deception. That's why you need to have a personal relationship. Now I believe this lying spirit is either Satan. Who comes and goes into heaven. 
or it's a type of him, it's representative of him, but he's going to become a lying voice to the 400 prophets. Listen, listen. God gives you a choice. There's truth and there's a lie. Truth can be known. Truth is a person. But that doesn't mean that there's not other things that you can choose. Lies and sin and deception. But when you know the truth, you should choose the truth. Even if they're lying to you and you're the only one there, you always choose truth. Notice Micaiah is the only one there that is truth. He's the only one presenting truth. And he's okay with that. He stands with God. He's not alone. But he's not giving in and being an echo and saying what everybody else is saying just because an earthly king tells him to. Just because he doesn't want to offend the king. Now, I don't know if you know, and I'm going to go here just for a moment. It's Revelation 16, Revelation 16, 12. Uh, you can look there with me. I'm just going to go there for a minute. It, it, it's something that is interesting where in Revelation 16, 12, we see this same type of thing going on on the earth. When the bowls are being poured out, look what it says. The sixth angel, 1612, book of Revelation. The sixth angel, church is gone at this time, uh, already been raptured out. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. Listen to me. The great river Euphrates. Listen to me. Tower of Babel built right here in this area between Euphrates and Tigris River. Right in this area. And its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. It's a very interesting thing, kings from the east. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. That's your unholy trinity that the devil wants to set up. For they are spirits of demons, they performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty, the battle of Armageddon, in the valley of Jezreel, in the valley of Megiddo. Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place called in Hebrew, Armageddon. Listen to me. It's the Valley of Megiddo. And the same thing happens so that all the sons of disobedience will be in the same place and God will judge them there. And it's because of lying spirits, unclean evil spirits. And we have a typology of this here in our text, where Ahab and Jezebel continue to follow false prophets, false religion, worshiping golden calves, and then they move to worshiping Baal, and they've rejected God Almighty. They've said no to God, 
and they think what is truth and what is good is really evil. It's upside down. And God has given them over to reprobate mind, to listen to this ungodly trinity, to listen to the lies of this lying spirit who God allows to go out and lie to them, to persuade them, to get them to the place where he will bring judgment upon them. That's what's going on with Ahab, king of Israel, as he leads people to hell. Verse 23, therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit. This is what Micaiah is still telling the king, warning him of truth, warning him that there's a lying spirit, warning him that his prophets are being deceived and are deceiving him. And yet he knows the warning is there and the woe is there and that death is there and that punishment is there and he still will not turn and repent. Therefore, look, verse 23, look. Can you see it? The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. Listen to me. You do not want to be in that place. How bad can it get where God has declared disaster against you? God has already declared disaster. God is setting up. God is allowing it because of what? He did not kill the enemy, Ben-Hadad. He let him live. God had told him to kill him, and he let him live. Now God said, your life for his life. You reap what you sow, and now I have declared disaster against you, and I'm allowing lying prophets. It's spoken right in his face. And what happens now? Watch what happens. As Ahab is thinking about this, as Ahab is hearing this, maybe there was a chance the lying prophet Zedekiah, remember his name means... Yahweh is righteousness. It means Yahweh is my righteousness. It's a false righteousness, even though his name means such a great thing. The son of Chaniah, fool, went near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? In other words, he calls Micaiah a liar. In other words, he doesn't understand that the Spirit of God is everywhere. In other words, he is interrupting the word of God and smacking the prophet of God. Now, most people would probably be pretty much offended if you got smacked. But you know what? Micaiah calmly, notice he's the one that represents God. He remained calm and he still spoke the truth. Listen to me. Violence is the only defense of a liar. When they have no argument, no wisdom, no truth to speak against your truth, violence is the only thing they have left to dominate you with fear and power. Violence is all they have left. Did you know that five miles of Minneapolis, Minnesota was burned to the ground during the riots, during the violence, during the peaceful riots, the peaceful protests? Because they have nothing they can say against truth. So they just burn everything down to scare people. They burn everything down. That's the power that's ruling right now in our streets. It's from the devil. If it was truth, you wouldn't have to resort to violence. If it was true, you would not be violent with it. 
You would be able to stand there and speak truth and people would hear it. But it's the agenda of the devil. Where when you have no answer for what's going on, you burn it down. You get rid of it. You destroy it. And we have a lot of false prophets in America. A lot of false preachers that are joining these ranks and supporting these ranks that are nothing but violence. And pretty soon, they're going to do just like what Micaiah says. Look, verse 25. Micaiah said, Indeed, you shall see on the day when you go into an inner chamber to hide. Pretty soon, as God brings judgment, a lot of these false prophets and false preachers and false men of God, they are going to hide themselves from the wrath of God. So the king of Israel said, take Micaiah, watch this, 26, take Micaiah and return him to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, thus says the king, put this fellow in prison and feed him the bread of affliction and the water of affliction until I come in peace. Listen to me. Return him. See that word? Take this man and return him. Isn't that interesting? Verse 9, remember that? The king sent an officer and said, Bring Micaiah. Is Micaiah already in prison? Has Ahab already put him in prison? He says, Return him. Like he's already been in prison. Now, I'm not sure it's, it's readable into the text that he's possibly already in prison and he knows where he's at. And that's how he can send somebody to get him and bring him. It's an interesting text, I know, because it says in 13, uh, we had gone to call Micaiah. But I believe he's already in prison. Listen, listen. Are you imprisoning the word of God so you can enjoy your own flesh? Are you imprisoning the truth of God so you can continue to do what you want to do and validate your lifestyle? Are you living that way where you would take and hate the word of God so much that you would put it in prison as opposed to listen to it? That's what Ahab was doing because he was following Baal. The devil wants to put the word of God in a prison. He doesn't want the word of God out there. That's why there's such an attack on the true word of God. People hate the truth because then they have to change their lives. They have to do something different. They have to, to repent. So notice, when you speak the truth with boldness, even to the king... There's going to be bread of affliction and water of affliction. Suffering will follow. Affliction will come. And he doesn't back down though. Take him back to the prison. Look at 28. Micaiah says, If you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And then he looks at the false prophets and at the people and he says, Take heed. Be warned. All you people. Be warned about this. The prophet is warning them all. 
that this is coming. Let's keep moving. We'll close this out. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. Listen, even though Jehoshaphat wanted to hear the word of the Lord for today, even though Jehoshaphat said, isn't there another prophet? One for the Lord? I realize your 400 prophets are just echoes. They're liars. They're, they're, they're not true prophets of God. He's still in his want to be noticed, in his want to be at peace he is joining sides. He has been deceived to join sides with these false prophets, with these calf worshipers, these bell worshipers. He is led along with them. And he's going to get deceived. Watch this. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, they get there for battle. And now, Je now Jehoshaphat finds out that the king of Israel, Ahab, is a real evil dude. I'll disguise myself and go into battle, but you wear your robes. He wants to put him out front. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now listen to Ben-Hadad. Now the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, remember? He wasn't killed. He said he was a friend of Ahab's. Ahab sent him away with a treaty. Here's how he's going to repay him. See, Ben-Hadad is a type of Satan. He doesn't want to be your friend. He wants to rob, kill, and destroy you. He's trying to kill you. He commanded his 32 captains. Listen. He commanded his principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness in this age, his spiritual host of wickedness, to fight with only the king. He did 32 captains of his chariots saying, fight with no one small or great but only with the king of Israel. Go after Ahab and annihilate him. Get him. The enemy wants to kill you. The enemy wants to kill Ahab. Think about this for a moment. Ahab is already serving him, but he doesn't want him to ever turn, so he wants him to die while he's serving the devil, while he's serving the Baals. Why he's serving Jezebel, and he's not serving God. He wants him to die quickly. 32. So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, because remember, Ahab is disguised, that they said, surely it is the king of Israel. Therefore, they turned aside to fight against him, and Jehoshaphat cried out. Remember Jehoshaphat? He's the king of Judah. He's being deceived. He made an unholy alliance with Ahab, he should have never done it. Who did he cry out to? Go to 2 Chronicles 18. 18.31. Look at this. Look who he cried out to. Look at his heart. You can see his heart by who he cried out to. 2 Chronicles 18. Same text. You might even keep your thumb there. We're going to be going back here again in a minute. 18.31. So it was when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, they said, it is the king of Israel. Therefore, they surrounded him to attack. But Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God diverted them from him. He cried out to the Lord, and God helped him. He cried out to the God who he, he's still serving. Jehoshaphat has not walked all the way. He's not apostate yet. He's got some issues we're going to see in a minute. He cried out to the Lord. You might hold your page there because we're going to go back there in a minute. 
We're going to be looking at chapter 19 in a second. So he cries out. And they turn back from pursuing him. Why? Because the Lord protected him. The Lord saved him. The Lord didn't allow him because he's still serving the Lord. The Lord didn't allow him to kill him. 34. Now a certain man drew a bow at random. Listen, it might have been at random, but God knew where the arrow was going to fly. And it struck the king of Israel. It struck Ahab between the joints of his armor, belly shot. So he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle, for I am wounded. Listen, if you're standing in the victory of Christ, if you're standing with God, don't find yourself out with false prophets and liars fighting a battle you shouldn't be fighting. Stand. Don't get wounded in a battle you shouldn't even be in. If you are building a personal love relationship with God, you shouldn't be out fighting these false battles with your own hands, making up your own wars. You should be standing and telling people about Jesus so souls could be saved. Wake up, church. We all need to wake up at random because God is the one who is sovereign, because God is the one who has devised us, because God is the one who has allowed a lying spirit to get him out there, because God is the one that is bringing his wrath and his judgment upon him because he did not kill the enemy. 35, the battle increased that day. And the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians, and he died at evening, and the blood ran out from the wound onto the floor of the chariot. Think about what he was thinking the whole time he was wounded. The whole time he's sitting there wounded, seeing the battle before him, he knew the truth of God. He heard Micaiah with the truth of God saying, don't go out there because I seen you as the shepherd dead and the sheep going home with no shepherd. And the whole time he knew it to be true. He knew it was true or he would have never disguised himself. Think about it. He knew the truth. He knew Micaiah was true. And he disguised himself and tried to go out to battle anyway. Are you living that way in your life today? Listen, this is another big one. Are you living and you know what God's word has said and you fear God's word, but you disguise yourself and you go out and still live any way you want until you die? Instead of repenting when you hear the word of God and fear the word of God, do you continue in a disguise? Do you continue uh, as a cloak, Zedekiah, a false prophet? God is righteousness. Yahweh is my righteousness. Maybe it's that mask of hypocrisy. And you go out anyway knowing that it's going to kill you. He died in evening after his blood ran out on the chariot. 36. Then as the sun was going down, a shout went throughout the army, saying, Every man to his city and every man to his own country. Flee. The king is dead. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. Didn't go back to Jezreel. Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria. 
Ooh. Kings were supposed to be buried in the city of David. False king buried in Samaria. Evil king buried in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at the pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked up his blood while the harlots bathed, according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken, which is 1 Kings 21, 19, the word of prophecy fulfilled according to his life. Now the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did, the ivory house which he built, and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? So Ahab rested with his fathers. Then Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Ahaziah means uh, Yah has seized. The Lord has seized. Now let's close this with a little bit more about Jehoshaphat. What did Jehoshaphat, the king who's still serving the Lord, learn from this unholy alliance that he made, from trying to make peace with a king who was false, with a king who was worshiping Baal, from trying to say, you're my brother and you're my horses are your horses, from trying to have fellowship with a lying people, as much of the church thinks that we can make fellowship with lying uh, denominational people that have walked away from the word of God, that we all just need to come together in a convergence. We all just need to be one church because we're all serving the same God. No. We have to stand on truth. And you cannot join yourself with people who ignore the truth of the word of God. Whether they're secular or whether they call themselves the church, you cannot have fellowship with the unrighteous works of darkness. Or it will end in your death. Jehoshaphat. The son of Asa, remember Asa, he was a really good king, had become king over Judah, that's the southern tribe, in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Now they're both together. See that? Ahab's name with king of Israel. Bunches of time he's king, bunches of time he's king of Israel, and then only three or four times is he really named in this text. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he became king. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. Notice where he's reigning at? Jerusalem, the city of David. Zion. His mother's name was Azabah, the daughter of Shilei. Azabah means forsaking, desertion. Shilei means armed or my javelin thrower. That's some strange stuff. I'm just telling you, I like to look them up to see what they mean. It's really Interesting. They mean something. The names mean something. Listen to the testimony that the Bible gives, the Holy Spirit gives, 43. And he walked, this is how he lived, in all the ways of his father Asa, who was a good king. He did not turn aside from them, doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't that good? His, acts, his actions was doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He did what was right. Nevertheless, something he didn't do what was right. Listen, there's no perfect people. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away, for the people offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. That was a place of false worship. He didn't want to offend the people, so he let them keep doing it. So did his father Asa. So God had this against him. 
And Jehoshaphat, what else did he have against him? Listen to this. Jehoshaphat made peace with the king of Israel. With Ahab. He, these are the two things that God found that he did wrong. He didn't take down the high places. In other words, there was high places where he was worshiping false things or allowing the people to worship false things. Idols. He didn't want to offend the people, so he didn't tear down all the high places. And then he made peace with the king of Israel. When he did that, listen to me, when he made peace with the king of Israel, with those false worshipers, with culturanity, with those that had uh, were false prophets and had started worshiping golden calves instead of obeying the word of God, when he did that, he began to move away from God. He was moving away from God. You know what you're going to find out when you look at uh, 2 Kings 8, 16-19? That his own son who takes the throne after him marries Jezebel and Ahab's daughter and brings this false worship into the southern kingdoms. They were, they were going the same way as the northern tribes. The northern tribes goes into captivity first, goes into apostasy first. But the southern tribes followed because of unhealthy alliances like this, by having fellowship, by making peace with Ahab, who was a known bell worshiper, by listening to the advice of the false prophets, he allowed his kids to keep going further into false worship and walk away from God till they were all in captivity, the Babylonian captivity, the Assyrian captivity. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat the might that he showed and how he made war, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Judah? And the rest of the perverted persons, Hebrew is Kaddish, those practicing sodomy and prostitution in religious rituals who remained in the days of his father, Asa. See, Asa got rid of a bunch of them. He vanished from the land. He got rid of the rest of the perverted people. He did a lot of good stuff for God, but he made peace with evil idol worshipers instead of standing true on the word of God. He allowed high places to remain that he should have tore down, pulled down. This is what we do in our lives. Listen, we get rid of blatant sin, but we allow places that still our heart to remain there. High places that still our worship from God, and we make peace and have fellowship in places we know we should not go like the king of Israel. We know they're we know what they're doing. That's why it's good to know that it's your enemies that speak for your character. If you can hang out with pagans and speak the word of God and they still like you, you better be careful with how truthful your word of God is. Because it's your enemies that really speak bolder of your character. You cannot be friends with the world and go with God. You'll make yourself an enemy of God. 47. There was, no, there was then no king in Edom, only a deputy of the king. 
Jehoshaphat made merchant ships, remember Solomon did this, to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed, for the ships were wrecked at Ezon Geber, so uh, uh, his endeavors didn't work. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, let my servants go with your servants in ships, but Jehoshaphat would not. See, Ahab's servants knew, listen, they knew how to sail ships. They knew how to go. But he had learned his lesson about the unholy alliance with Ahab, and he would not even go there during his time. He would not let these guys go. Look at this. Why? It's, it's 2 Chronicles 19. Just after we just finished reading, that's why I said hold your place there. We read 31. We've seen that God helped Jehoshaphat. He cried out to him. Well, look what happened when Jehoshaphat got back to Judah. 19.1. Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him. And said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Listen to that question. See, because Jehoshaphat went to help the wicked Ahab. And he was loving those who hate the Lord by being there. By giving his resources. He almost got himself killed by doing that with Ahab. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. You're going to reap this. Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land, Asherah poles, and have prepared your heart to seek God. Listen, remove those high places. Prepare your heart to seek God. Allow Jesus to be in you. The good thing that's found in you is Jesus. So he was warned by Jehu, and he learned his lesson. He was preparing his heart. He was changing. He's like, I don't want to be coupled again with anybody from the northern tribe. So when Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, let my people go with your servants in the ships, he said, nope, we ain't going no more to battle with you. 50 in our chapters, as we close out chapter 22, and Jehoshaphat rested with his fathers, and notice this, was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Then Jehoram, his son, reigned in his place. Now, you can see that in 2 Kings uh, 8, chapter 8. We're going to get there soon enough. A few weeks, we'll get to chapter 8. When he was 32 years, he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. He walked in the way of the kings of Israel, not in the way of the kings of Judah, just as the house of Ahab had done, for the daughter of Ahab was his wife, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. That's 2 Kings 8, 18. Instead of following his dad or his grandpa Asa, Joram is going to follow the northern kingdoms because he married Jezebel's daughter. He married the world. He married the devil. He married the lie, the false prophets. 
51, Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria. In the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned two years over Israel. He did evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother, Ahab and Jezebel, and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Remember him? He was the one that started all this rebellion. Jeroboam says, what, what part do we have with David? And they left and became the northern tribes. And he set up two golden calves. And they worshipped the golden calves. And then they went to Baal worship, who had made Israel sin. For he served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord God of Israel to anger, according to all that his father had done. This is sad stuff. To walk away from God. We need to repent. We need to return. And allow him to redeem us. Don't make unholy alliances. With those that you know are serving Baal. Even if they're in the church. There's many false prophets. False teachers. False ways in the church. They look good. They speak good. They're encouraging. They're repeating one another. But they're leaving out the word of God. They're leaving out the truth of God. Which is the purifying part. For your sanctification. As you obey. You become more like the heart of God. The child of God. In the house of God. For the glory of God. Beware. As Micaiah said to all the people, beware. We need to keep our eyes fixed firmly, watching, waiting, and working for God. And he's coming soon. Don't give way to a lying spirit that says stuff like love is love. And don't judge me, man. Just encourage me and help me in my life. I think the Pope just approved of gay marriage. And said, we've got to enter them in to these unions and make a way for them to live like this. And there's many Catholics saying, where the Pope is going, we can't follow. Listen, where the lying spirit is going, the Holy Spirit will not lead you. If you build your love relationship with God, you will be able to recognize the lie and walk in the wisdom of God. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Romans 8, 14. Draw near to God with a pure heart, people. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Lord, we're, we're all capable of walking away from you. Draw us back. Help us to return. That we would come back to our first love as we are encouraged to do in Revelation for the church of Ephesus. Lord, help us to receive your counsel and return from where we have fallen. We give you praise. Have mercy on us. Do not punish us in your hot displeasure. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for opening our eyes. Forgive us as a nation. Forgive us as a church. And help us to proclaim proudly as we stand in Jesus' victory your truth, your word for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you.